Hey you guys, this is Cody. And this is Jenny. And welcome, welcome to, to the, the Reckies Podcast. Podcast. Today we're joined here with Willow, who has been working a little bit on her history project here, uh, more particularly uh, the history of the Philippines and, you know, the political history of the Philippines. So why not you tell us a little bit more about what you've been doing with this project? Hello. Actually, I was thinking of starting out to ask you guys how much you know oh. about the Philippines. How much do we know about the Philippines? What, what? I mean, we're oh, Filipinos, we're going to be exposed for our 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 um, lack of knowledge for our own ethnic heritage. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, the first thing that comes to my head about the Philippines is its its flag. Um, it has a specific star, and it looks like another. It has flag. a name, but I don't know what the name of the star is. Um, well, it's the sun, and then it has three stars yeah. in the white triangle. And and the flag is, like, similar to the Cuban flag. Mm-hmm. Is yes. it Cuba's flag? Yeah. It is similar to the Cuban flag. Very similar. some historical reasoning that might come behind that. Oh. Um, although I don't know the actual truth of whether or not this is, has to do with it, but... Mm, Cuba and the Philippines had been under the United States control and colonization at the same time. So oh. that, that, might, that might contribute to why, because uh, they both were probably there given was some... their demo- democratic development around the same time. So when they finally got their own official flag, that might be why they have similar with blue and red colors. There's definitely uh, an American Republic. Western influence in the flag's design. And then, like, what, what is the, the, the stars? The stars red, white, and blue. Design. Yeah, they're boom. No, 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 I'm talking about the Filipino flag. What does the, the sun and the stars mean, though? Um, we looked this up actually prior. So Jenny actually knows a little bit more than Cody. <laughs> the I'm study of vexillology. Her. I'm what do you mean? Her. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, the stars represent the eight. Provinces. What? There's three stars, though. <laughs> no, three, 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 three represents the three providence. Yes. The eight represents the seven. Oh, uh, the, the rays on the sun. Yeah, the yeah. rays on the sun. Okay. It's eight. We should pull up a eight, picture eight. of the flag so we can see what we're actually talking or, or about. Or you just look up what does the sun mean in the Filipino flag. Okay, uh, the Philippines flag, yeah, so it does have eight... eight um, rays coming out of it. Oh no, yeah, the three means the province. Oh, and th- eight? Eight means the unifying s- the islands or something. The <laughs> okay, so yeah, you were right. The eight primary rays represent each of the pro- primary provinces. See, oh, sorry. I, <laughs> okay, we're I, all know, I know my history better than you. What do the stars mean? A golden star, each of which represents the country's three main island groups. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> we're all... Well, Luz- the right path, right? <laughs> so Luzon, the big island up on the top, the Visayas, the millions of little islands in the middle, and then Mindanao, which is the big island on the bottom. So basically, it's like an island sandwich with all the middle ones squished together, represented by one star. Boohoo. Mm. But I guess that is the symbolism behind the Filipino flag. Do we know anything about the Philippines that doesn't involve the flag? Let's oh. see. Um... <laughs> Awkward silence. <laughs> um, they have great food. 
They do have good food. There's, they have a diverse religious presence in the country at the moment. Oh, like yeah. Like divisive, actually. Yes. Filipinos are known. Yeah, they've always known. Very diverse religious. Yeah, because it's like a mixture of Asian and Spanish. Like the tradition, there was the original indigenous religions that existed on the islands. This has to do with the spice trade. Yeah, then the Spanish came and Catholicism. Southeast Asia was the main pinnacle for spice trade. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) You're slowly sliding her towards the microphone. Uh... And the Philippines was one of the islands that was obviously in this area for the spice trade. Although that's kind of on a different subject to what we're supposed to be talking about. Um, but I don't know. I don't even know. So my first question is, why is the Philippines flag similar to Spain? Like, I know we It's not similar to Spain's or it's, flag. Or Cuban flag, sorry. Yeah. Cuban flag. Uh, I mentioned this before, but they were both Spanish colonies originally. The Philippines and Cuba were Spanish colonies. And eventually, um, Spain got in a war with the United States over Cuba. Um, During this time, the Philippines was fighting Spain for its own independence at the same time. And when Spain lost the Cuban War against the United States. At the same time, the Philippines won against Spain for their independence. And the first Filipino Republic, their general, had declared independence in 1898. So they believed that they were an independent nation at that point. Because all the provinces, as mentioned from the flag, they came together and were unified and were part of this belief for the Filipino Republic and he declared independence so they all believed were an independent nation basically now but as Spain lost the Cuban war against the US they sold the Philippines for 20 million dollars so the United States then colonized the Philippines and it was the United States first Southeast Asian country that it colonized it was its one and I not the only, it'll eventually have a few others that it got involved with, but it was the first one. So it was very significant and very important in the United States history. So my question is, like, the Philippines fought against Spain and then became independent, but Spain still bought or sold the United or sold to the United States when the Philippines was still independent. So are you telling me that Technically, the Philippines was not independent, or do they believe they were independent See, by fact? This is where you have to listen. The Philippine Republic, the group of Filipinos, the nation of the Philippines with the Filipino people, because you got to remember, these Filipinos, they aren't the superior power. This, Spain was the imperialistic power. The Filipinos were just a small group of local people uh, who came together, who formed the first ever kind of governance under a Filipino body to represent the Filipino people. So when they declare independence, their declaration, their kind of like policies, anything that they instate as official, isn't really 
definitive because whoever is more powerful gets the final say. Whoever wins the war, whoever gets to the end, whoever wins gets to write history. That's the whole thing about history. And in this case, while they did win against Spain, the United States was a bigger imperialistic power and it beat Spain, which Spain was the bigger imperialistic power at first in the Philippines, but then the U.S. beat them, which makes the U.S. more powerful than the Philippines, which means that independent state does not imply apply to the U.S. because Philippines declared independence from Spain, not wow. the U.S. The U.S. bought the Philippines, 20 million. They already gave the money, they already paid for it, that's mine now, you know? <laughs> I'm not how, giving this up. I paid 20 million. <laughs> that's kind of like how the U.S. saw it. So obviously the U.S. came in and they occupied the Philippines and they didn't really care what the people said because they were the imperial power. They were more powerful. Isn't that how just how imperialism works? <laughs> yes. You know, if you're the more powerful guy, you just say, this is mine now, okay. This, that's really all that needs to be said. For the the Philippines part. was traded under the table um, <laughs> without even knowing. The unique, part, the unique part about the Philippines, though, is um, unlike most other countries that usually fall under imperialism, the Philippines fought guerrilla warfare for a very long time, and it was very successful. It's kind of very, a lot of times people refer to it as the first Vietnam War, which is offensive to Filipinos, but it kind of has a, acts as a representation to how good they did in guerrilla warfare, where they were outsmarting the U.S. for a lot of the time period, because they were using the territorial advantages they knew in the jungles to basically use non-normal warfare tactics at the time to win during fighting. Um, it seemed to be quite a common thing around that time period, mm -hmm. which is ironic considering that seems that was one of the things that was attributed to America's own in independence from its colonial parent. Mm -hmm. um, let me think about this. And then it goes into Jap oh, not Japan, uh, the United States having hold of the Philippines. Yes. What technically did they start doing? Um, they started to obviously implement a United States governance there. They started putting in a civil government. So they had a bunch of U.S. officials sent to the Philippines uh, during this time of warfare, and they would build up like judges and just officials who would put laws in place or quote-unquote listen to the people. and start building the nation to be more U.S.-like. More westernized. More westernized, that's, yes. Very common concept, again, with imperialism. Modernization eventually would take place as well. By the time the, the Japanese occupation of the Philippines started to become more of an, more present, what was the state of the United States in the Philippines by so, that time? Um, We're jumping ahead a little bit here. It's a bit jumping ahead. <laughs> so, uh, as you might know, eventually from the 1910s to the 1930s, neocolonialism started to expand. So, we, we go in the United States and many other imperialistic countries from being this mindset of imperialism and colonization to autonomy, self-governance, and sort of leaving behind colonies and helping them build their own government because 
you know, the United States started building this idea of keeping the people freedom and all the liberty and stuff. Because, you know, that's what our nation is built on, right? That's what we did. We separated from them. So why are we keeping all these other colonies? Why should we do this? That and a lot of people started realizing it was more profitable to have other yes. countries live under capitalist societies. Yes. Economy was a also very large factor to why the United States um, actually started wanting the Philippines to be independent as well. Because it was um, the trade industry was not very profitable like it, the philippine goods were cheaper so people were buying the philippine goods rather than the united states goods and economists didn't really like that people in the market didn't really want want that so they wanted to declare independence from the philippines so they can put tariffs so the goods would be cheaper for them to buy and resell as their products but it would cost the philippines more money to sell but that has to do more with the economy and like don't know quite as deep of information on that part. That extends a little bit beyond the research you've done for your project. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, but as you mentioned, you were kind of wanting to know closer to the Japanese time. So as neocolonialism started to be developed more, obviously the presidents at the time in the United States and Congress started trying to implement bills to declare independence and autonomy for the Philippines. So they started to build a commonwealth, the Philippine Commonwealth, which is where Filipino officials finally were able to start being in positions of government so that they can replace United States officials and govern themselves. Um, one particular important individual is Manuel L. Quezon, I believe his name is. Um, <laughs> well, Quezon. Something, whatnot, yeah. <laughs> Because um, he will eventually become the first Philippine president. He was the first Philippine vice president, I believe, at the time. And he worked for a very long time as an administrator under the Philippine... Um, I forget what exactly the administration was called. But he had a very long history of being a politician in the Philippines. And as we mentioned, the plan for independence for the Philippines... There's a few different bills passed in Congress. They, a lot of them got vetoed. Um, some notable ones would be the Harry's House Cutting Act. It was implemented in 1930, and it planned for the Philippines to become independent after 10 years of proving itself independent, like self-governance, basically, or developing its self-governance. Uh, but this bill was vetoed and eventually remade, basically, into the Tidings-McDuffick Act, which was passed by Theodore Roosevelt, our president, Theodore Roosevelt. And that planned 25 years to self-govern itself, and then we declared the Philippines independent. Which brings us closer to the Japanese time now, because, as we might know, World War II ends up happening, and Japan had occupied a very large portion of Asia, especially Southeast Asia. It had, at the time, during World War II, already occupied the countries surrounding the Philippines. For the most part, it avoided the Philippines up to the 1940s because they didn't want to involve the U.S. into the World War II yet. But in 1941, Pearl Harbor had been bombed, and then a Philippines harbor also was bombed and started... World War II with the Philippines, and eventually the United States loses the Philippines and Japan occupies its nation, 
and that's when the government kind of changes. Um, Japan ends up occupying the Philippines and instead uh, establishes the Japanese military administration with a bunch of Japanese administrators, generals, who govern the whole country, basically. Um, although before this time, Japan still was somewhat in the United... I mean, not the United States, <laughs> the Philippines. <And> the ja <laughs> Japan was involved in the Philippines for a very long time. It was actually involved during the Spanish Revolution with the Philippines. So when, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, the Philippines, when they were trying to fight for revolution against Spain, one of the things that helped the Filipinos out was the, uh, they asked the Japanese for assistance and Japan had agreed and secretly sent materials, weapons, and military out to help the Philippines. Um, and then when the United States occupied the Philippines, they also were asked for assistance to fight against the United States. But the difference now is, unlike Spain, Japan wanted Spain to lose. They wanted the imperialistic power to be rid of in the Southeast Asian area, because they wanted to expand in this area. So when the United States occupied the Philippines, it was less of a, a threat to the Japanese, so they didn't really mind the United States being there. And in fact, one of the uh, foreign official administrators had made a pact to the Philippines where when they asked for the Japanese help, he stated, you either let us have complete control over your country, you let the United States have complete control of your country, or you let the United States or Great Britain have partial control with us over your country. But they were not going to outright agree to ever give them independence. So when Japan occupied in 1940, once again, they occupied it. They made promises saying, yeah, totally, here's independence. And they actually declared the Philippines independent at one point in 1945. They declared independence, but they didn't leave the Philippines. They still had the military administration there. Um, they're still very heavily involved in the Philippines. And by the end of World War II, obviously, the United States um, manages with the other, um, I forget, <laughs> I forgot what the, it's called, uh, the countries that it was allied with, they beat the, the big three, <laughs> I don't remember the name that they called them, Germany, Japan, and the Italy, Brit the big three are, are the, I forget what the, what was that called? Oh my god, I can't even think of it. Let's go back to World War II history. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know, it's the Allies and the... I thought it was just called the Soviet or something. No, the Soviet is the Russian. That no, goes yeah. in the, the, that's in the Cold War. Oh, right. Axis Cicero. power. Okay. Uh, it was three. Yeah, I think so. It's just right there. The Axis powers. Germany... Uh, the Kingdom of Italy and Empire of Japan. Okay, okay. yeah, so that's so what Axis. it was. Allies and Axis. That's what I thought it yes. was, but okay. I needed to look that up to make sure. I don't want to be giving out some false but, information. Um, <laughs> we, the uh, Allies end up uh, getting, basically winning World War II and getting the Axis powers to sign an agreement that they lost, basically. And Japan leaves the Philippines behind. And the United States re-enters and as mentioned before, the Tidy McDuffick Act, which the United States promised prior, 
had finally come to its time. It was 1946, and as agreed upon... 1946 was the day that they were supposed to grant independence, so they granted them independence. Because, right? They can economically uh, st be stable, right? They can govern themselves now, right? After just uh -huh. coming out of a major global yeah. conflict. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Despite being declared independent in 1946, it's still questionable whether or not they actually were truly independent because. As we might know, even today, there's still quite a lot of corruption and U.S. involvement within the Philippines so, government. So pretty much they're U.S. standards <laughs> independence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the official Indep stamp of independence. Independent with a big asterisk. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, let me think. What else is there? And we have the entire post-colonial period, which probably is also beyond the scope of your research project, mm -hmm. which leads us to today. So um, I have a question. Like, yes. um, we did talk about before a hand was, um, did they have? You said that the uh, before presidency, there was a guy who came in and brought in or allowed Filipino uh, some Filipino people mm -hmm. to become part of the government. Uh-huh. This was the vice general. I don't remember the exact term, but before it wasn't called the president or the vice president, right? You had the president general and you had the vice general. Because if you might you might not know, the Philippines has a very heavy tie to its military and its governance, with a lot of other countries similarly sharing this kind of military involvement whenever it comes to government. Um, and this general was named um, Francis Burton Harris. Francis Burton Harris. And in 1913 to the 1921, he had made a lot of movement and... In the Philippines? Not movement. Um, he did a lot. He, he opened up a lot of the positions that allowed Filipinos to finally enter the government. Well, was, do, um, you, do you think you have an idea of what his reasoning was for that was? Probably it has to do with his political uh, background. As you might know, in United States history, Democrats versus Republic, as always, have opposing viewpoints. And you always want to gain the image of the people, you know, you want to um, always represent or look good. And, Look he, like and as we know, neocolonialism was starting to come into more effect during this time. So if he was a party member who was leaning towards a democratic, uh, he was probably leaning towards more neocolonial tendencies and trying to look into policies that met that agenda. I don't know the exact reasonings for why, but he is accredited very largely and criticized for allowing more positions of governance for Filipinos during this time. Well, uh, in my opinion, if he didn't, then like, how would someone, how would a U.S. like American know how to run a country that's completely different from their country, like, unless they had someone who lived in the country and, you know, had some form of insight, you know, the to help guide them. The problem right now what you're thinking is, you're thinking as if, um, they care. 
as if they care about the Filipinos' input. Because no, yeah. this isn't the Philippines right now. This is a United States colony. This is our land, right? So we're the ones controlling it, and this is our input that matters. So it's more of they are teaching the Filipinos to govern a United States territory rather than getting help from the Philippines to know about how to govern it. We would just like to believe that, you know, United States cares about the Philippines, you know, like, y'all know that it's probably not true because political power, you know. Um, I can't speak for anyone. You know, everyone has different morals and reasonings. And I don't know this man personally, so I can't say whether or not <laughs> what, what, I can't say whether or not what his agenda was behind any of these, and I can't really say the agenda behind most of these people's decisions. Or any kind of political I can only person. Give you, I can only give you, like, an inference and reasoning that mostly suited the popular beliefs of what might have matched up, you know, what makes sense the most. And people just sort of had a different mindset at this point in time. Yeah. You got to remember, this is the 1800s, 1800s. Um, as an... Uh, powerful white American person living in the 1800s, your mindset would be it might be better for everyone else in the world if Americans had control over everyone's government and we're the ones that spread our influence everywhere else. But, you know, obviously that's not compatible with everyone's views today, as Jenny brings up. The best way you can think about it, just think of Hawaii now, right? Why should we care about what the Hawaiians say? It's a U.S. territory, right? It's a U.S. state. Under the U.S., right? If we were to just leave, so to speak, what would become of Hawaii? We're doing so great in the United States. Why would we need the individual people's positions there? Why wouldn't we need to learn more from them? They're better with us than without us. Yeah, right? These are all the the common um, arguments that are given to dismiss any kind of... They can't uh, govern themselves. They're just a small little island. And they... Who would support them economically? Right? They'll lose all that background and that support. Whether or not that's completely true or not. It's an ethical ethical dilemma that is very complicated and the source of all the controversy that imperialism has stirred up over these many centuries that it has existed. Um, Well, hearing all this, do you have any other questions? Coming to my mind right now. <laughs> Not anything that is relevant to the current subject that I can think of, actually. So, I guess, does anyone else have anything else to add to this? What's your favorite Filipino food? <laughs> what a great way to end this conversation. <laughs> Screw all the political history. Let's focus pen-set? on culture. Pansit. Oh, we always say pansit. Pansit. There might be a, some dialectical differences. Yeah. yeah, there is some dialect differences. Very diverse culture. Well, thank you for telling us but about it's just, it. Okay, but sh- the way she said it was like pan set. Pansit. 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 It's either pansit or no, it's definitely pans. Pansit. You'd have to ask someone who actually speaks the language what their input is on this. <laughs> Shamefully, none of us do. So. I tried to learn a little bit of the Filipino. I tried to learn some Tagalog, but it's been a while. <laughs> Very long while. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, eventually we'll probably learn something. 
get back into using Duolingo. I don't We're know. so uneducated. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming on and telling us about your project and answering some of our questions, even though they might not have been close or, I don't know, political or something. But, yes. We may seem like we are completely hopeless beings off on some other planet that are uneducated, but you brought in a wonderful beacon of light to shine this knowledge on everyone about the Philippines, and we appreciate you very much for coming on today. Thank you very much, Will. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? This was a very brief look-through over this situation. There's quite a lot that you could actually learn about because I had to go through many many books on this subject um, and there's quite a lot more than what I stated that is going on during this time period obviously so if you have an interest I think you should definitely look into this you should look into well, what are some books that you looked into um, cite your sources the best one that I liked the most was called the Philippine Reader because it's obviously written by a Filipino over a very long period of history during this kind of trying to get independence. Uh, that's what it was mainly about. So it goes in very large detail over all the little things that went down for the Philippines to gain independence. And it was from a Filipino uh, perspective and more of a Filipino writing. So there is still bias there because obviously it's a Filipino. So you might see instances where they're kind of unhappy with colonizing powers, but it gives you a different perspective than what you would find in a United States book, because it's like an, almost like an autobiography, almost. I wouldn't well, say it's an autobiography. No. No. I feel like it's a different term. It's more I, of a, a, a Filipino perspective, because a lot of the perspectives that you could probably find are U.S. perspectives, and there's a lot of stuff, like the uh, Filipino War against the United States, it wasn't called the Filipino-American War, it was called the Filipino Insurgency. You'll see this a lot in a lot of the historical U.S. documents, because the United States obviously felt that the Philippines was their colony, they owned it, right? So it's, these people are revolting against their power rather than being in war with them. Um, and you'll see a lot of those kind of things where they'll be like, why are they so mad? Why are these guerrilla warfare, these, um, a lot of the big things actually was they made the First Republic of the Philippines out to be thieves and other kind of like bad labels, like thieves, miscreants, uh, criminals. They, so they, a lot of this throughout history, these people are labeled as these bad names rather than an actual group of governance, uh, rather than a group of representing the Philippines. So that's why I recommend that book. It's also very easy to remember the name. <laughs> um, I don't know anything. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was pretty good, to be honest. All right, so I guess that wraps up another episode of the Recky's Podcast. Thank you very much, all you guys, for coming on and sharing your opinions, perspectives, and um, research on this subject.
Yep. Okay, bye. Bye bye. <laughs>